passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And Dean goes right after Lashley. And right after Corbin. And right after McIntyre. And a Superman punch by Roman Reigns. The Shield standing tall. In the words of Roman Reigns, let's get the band back together one last time. Ryan's when it's time to begin. It's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A-team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA Now on the John and Wade everyone, welcome to Rewind to Raw. John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting, as always. Wei Ting, how are you? Doing well, how are you, John? Uh, I'm doing swell. I'm doing very good. Uh, lots and lots to talk about tonight. I I put together our, our little like news to discuss, and it just kept growing and growing tonight. There's a long list here, so we're going to have to power through some of this. But at the top of my list is just, how are you doing? So that's always the most important <laughs> question I ask. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm doing good, man. That's Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, certainly. My weekends are always good. Well, that's good. Yeah. Do anything fun? Anything out of the ordinary? Or was it just a relaxing weekend? I'm, I kind of lie because I don't... I, you oh. know, when I say that, you know, they're always good. Because the truth is, I don't remember. Uh, especially, oh. like, at this time. Like, 11 o'clock on a Monday night when you're asking me about my weekend. I've just got raw on the brain. So I like my weekend is just like, you know, like ancient history by this point. Well, I I had a terrible Sunday. I finished the UFC card on Saturday night. I did the show with Phil. And then for those of you that listen to it, you will be aware that uh, the half of my audio was gone. It's the worst feeling in the world when you pull up a file and there is... One person's audio, but not yours. Now, thankfully, I always run a backup for this very reason, because this recording program I have sucks. And I unfortunately had a problem with like the first five minutes of it. So I had to, it wasn't a big issue. The rest was all salvageable. But for the first like three fights, I had to redo this at like three in the morning. And I'm just exhausted. So I finished this thing around 3.30, whenever it goes up. And I go to sleep and I woke up. I guess 7.30 in the morning on Sunday. And, dude, my head is just in awful pain. I've got the worst headache in the world. And it's like a full-on migraine. And it was just the worst on Sunday. From 7.30 in the morning until 
three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, just terrible. What What was the cause? I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I've said it before. Like usually, once, maybe twice a year, I, I get a migraine, and it's just terrible. Like it feels like the worst hangover. That's what it feels like, and I'm just like completely incapacitated. I'm. Um, yeah, I wonder like if, if there's a reason for that. You know, does it does it happen with something external, like the, a change in weather or anything like that? It's the last one I can remember. It was in a, I think it was a, not this past September, but the September before. I don't think it's a weather issue. Like I've really tried to notice any patterns or mm. anything. Um, I, I don't, I don't have like an answer for it, but it's, oh, okay. terrible. But anyway, I'm, I'm fine now. I'm sure I woke up get, today. I'm sure you're, you're going to get like 100%. a million Twitter doctors that are that are going to tell you what might be wrong with you. Yes. Um, yeah, don't tell me anything too extreme because I, I probably won't pay much attention to it. But anyway, uh, let's get into all our discussions. I feel fine, everybody. Uh, where to start? Uh, Way, we're running a number of contests on the site. Do you want to uh, take us through some of these contests? Um, we have a poll that is just wrapped up. We have a selfie contest and we have a New Japan Cup bracket. Bracketology. Here at post wrestling. Oh, is that what you're calling it? Uh, sure. I'm stealing that term for us. Okay, so maybe it's, let, it's our version of March Madness. Let's start there because uh, the New Japan Cup is happening, of course, uh, and it's uh, taking place. Uh, what's the first date of that, John? The eighth, Friday. Yes, Friday. Okay. So before Friday, we are accepting your predictions. Fill out your brackets. This is our version of March Madness, and to do that. Uh, we are holding our own bracketology contest, and you can access that at postwrestling.com slash njcup, or just hit the button at the uh, website. And uh, thank you again to Chris Engler, who compiled this whole thing for us. Uh, so it's kind of fun. It's really simple. You just kind of drag and drop all the names from round one to round two to round three, all the way to the finals and the semifinals. It's 32 people. And you just pick and choose. Now, we should note that uh, David Finley at this point has been replaced by Ryusuke Taguchi. Uh, unfortunately, the software doesn't allow us to change that name. So just replace David Finley with Ryusuke Taguchi in your head. And get your entries in before Friday. So that's the deadline. Yeah, very easy to do. Did it with WH on the show this past weekend. And yes, just remember to sub in uh, Ryusuke Taguchi for those of you that are picking him to run the gauntlet and headline Madison Square Garden. Speaking of Madison Square Garden, John. Oh, segue, segue, segue. We've got another contest running. Uh, we're just always giving free stuff away here. Uh, there's a fine listener of ours, a patron named Joe LeBeau, who unfortunately can't make it to MSG and the G1 Supercard. Uh, the weekend of WrestleMania. So that's the ROH and New Japan show, of course. And uh, as such, he is giving his pair of tickets away to a lucky listener of the post-wrestling uh, audience. So all you have to do is send a 30-second video of you cutting a promo. Initially on the Hangout, John, I specified that you have to cut a promo on Jay White. You can cut a promo on anybody else. Anybody in the world, just a promo. Tell us why you want to be in the main event at Madison Square Garden. And on Thursday during our cafe hangout, we're going to play all these entries for Joe to uh, criticize, to pick apart. And uh, 
the winner will receive a pair of tickets to New York and Madison Square Garden for this G1 Supercard show. Uh, so just I want to specify, please make sure that you are going to be in New York or have the means to get there if you're going to submit an entry. We don't want anybody to win this and then scalp it afterwards or anything like that. Joe could do that himself, but he, he's choosing not to. So please only enter if you intend on going uh, and, and if you'll be in the New York area at that time. Uh, so again, 30 seconds uh, video. We're accepting uh, video entries to info at postwrestling.com. Uh, you can upload it to a YouTube link and send it to me there. Or you can even Instagram video uh, your entries to at post wrestling official. So, or Twitter or whatever, just get your videos to me. I will compile them all, play them on Thursday, uh, on the cafe hangout live. And then, uh, that show will also be available of course, for free on Fridays. Yes. So do exactly what, uh, Tamatonga did last year when he cut the best promo of his career, stealing from somebody else. And maybe we'll get our own <laughs> reenactment of you mad. <laughs> Is that my? Is that a pretty bad impression? I would not win these tickets if I was doing. This. I mean, if if you, it, we weren't aware that he was make, like copying that from somebody else at the time. So I guess you could steal from somebody. Oh no, yeah, he got me hook, line, and sinker. I thought yeah. it was awesome. I still thought it was great. I thought he delivered it tremendously well. It was good. Uh, one last thing, of course, is the we have a a, a Rwanda way patrons choice to announce at the end of the show. So let's let's wait till the end of the show to see what we will review in next week. Lovely and. Coming up this week, we've got our Tuesday night double double shock power, as they would say. We've got Rewind to SmackDown, our free show, and then the double shot, which is available for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. That drops uh, late Tuesday, early Wednesday morning, where Way and I, uh, somehow, somehow we find the time to watch more and more stuff each week. And then we get together on this show and we tell each other about what we've watched uh, this week. I will be talking about the WWE Untold special that was airing on the network Monday night about ECW's 2006 relaunch, which I had a chance to watch on Monday. Way, I assume, uh, being the elite and Total Bellas will be covered? Yeah, I'll be talking a, a bit about those things. I don't know if I'll have a chance to watch that Untold uh, special, but I would like to watch the... I've uh, got Ro you covered. Ro thank you. I would like to watch the Roman Reigns Chronicle, so maybe we'll chat about that as well. Yeah, probably a lot of stuff to get to on the double shot. That's Tuesday night for the Post Wrestling Cafe members. Wednesday, the British Wrestling Experience is back with Martin Bushby, Benno, and the returning champion, Will Cooling of Fighting Spirit Magazine. Thursday, we've got Braden Harrington and another return, Davey Portman, who is back from his trip to the UK. He attended a Progress Wrestling show with his girlfriend, so I'm sure everybody is awaiting that live report. And Thursday, me and Wei will be live with the Cafe Hangout, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, with a fast lane preview. Uh, that is free to watch. Well, it's not free to watch. If you are a Double Double Plus subscriber, you can watch it for free. Uh, but we do drop a free version on Friday afternoon. It is and free to watch, but, but just a day later. Yeah. Correct. And Friday, Wei, it is the big return of our MCU reviews. What are we reviewing this month? This month, we are reviewing, I would say... Mm. TTDW, a, a pretty, uh, I would say, a pretty interesting uh, uh, submission in in the whole uh, MCU chronology, and that's Thor: The Dark World. This is a movie that I know a lot of people are not fans of. Some of them even considering it to be potentially one of the perhaps the worst entry in the entire MCU. But one person who does not feel that way is the aforementioned Davy Portman, who uh, is is a fan of this movie. So I want to get him on in order to have him tell us why he likes it so much. Maybe we'll love it too. I actually haven't seen it since it came out in theaters. 
Yes, I can already tell you one reason I love this movie was because midway through, I got very scared and was saying to myself, oh, Christ, is this the right one? Or were we supposed to watch Thor Ragnarok? And thankfully, <laughs> I, I bought the right one on YouTube. I had a real panic attack. I was like, "Am I? have I just spent an hour watching the wrong movie? But I was on point. And the, the week will wrap up with our Fastlane post-show. Way and I will be back with you Sunday night, immediately after Fastlane, whenever it ends. And you can watch that live as well if you're a Double Double Ice Cap or Espresso member. Uh, podcast version will be dropping free late Sunday, early Monday morning. Go to postwrestlingcafe.com, postwrestling.com, blah, blah, blah. And a part of that blah, 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 John, of course, is that we give out an item every single week to our patrons at the Post Wrestling Cafe, our Patreon. So Correct. Without we a- love giving stuff away. Oh, we are just in a giving mood. And this week, actually, what we'll be giving out instead of a t-shirt, our brand new Post Wrestling Snapback caps. Get Baseball caps. These I don't are- even have one of these. This is limited edition. You are getting the first hat that we are ever giving away. That's right, yeah. Will you wear one, John? Maybe. I will be very subconscious about how I look in it, and then I'll put it on, and you'll laugh hysterically, and then my confidence will be diminished, and no. I will probably take it off then. You probably look amazing in it, because uh, anyway. There is no one that pulls off this hat better than you, Way. No, like, you You are a hat wearer. I am, yeah. I wasn't always. You are what the kids call fresh. <laughs> do the kids say that? I don't know I if don't they know. do. But, uh, yes, we're giving out a snapback hat away. These are just made available at store.postwrestling.com. A lot of you guys have been asking for them. I've been waiting for the weather to cool down a little bit or actually uh, to, to warm up a bit before put, putting these out there. Uh, I'm not. I'm done waiting. It's just going to be cold forever, so I'm just going to put these hats out there. If you guys want them, you'll get them in time for summer. Uh, store.postwrestling.com. But the winner, John, please ring the bell. Okay, um, this is uh, we're, we're going deep into the the names. Okay, so uh, go through the A's, the B's, the C's. We're, we're down into the M's. Stop. I mean, okay, Matthew, Math, oh. Matthew Golden. <sighs> uh, congratulations. Yeah, this is an M. <laughs> Wow, you've either job, gotten John. a developmental deal and you've been given your <laughs> NXT name or you have won a post-wrestling snapback hat. Matthew Golden, congratulations. Shoot me a message uh, either on on Twitter or Patreon and I will hook you up with a post-wrestling snapback hat. Perfect stuff. And if you join postwrestlingcafe.com, you can be entered to win a prize every Monday here on Rewind to Raw. I mean, that that alone. Oh my God. The excitement of it all. It's like every... Every week you get to listen and you might be the name called. I mean, how, how fun would that what, be? What other podcast gives as much? Yeah. And if you have a great name, trust me, I'll make some terrible joke about it. So that is reason enough to sign up and maybe even make up a name. So postwrestlingcafe.com is where you can go for that. Now it is time to dive into the news. There's no shortage of it tonight. And uh, kind of some late news coming in. Um Apparently, Asuka suffered some sort of an injury tonight at the SmackDown house show in White Plains, New York. She was working a match with Mandy Rose, and from the reports I've gotten, uh, I, I did not see the actual bump, but was uh, it seems that fans that were there stated that she took a move um, on her neck, and she was tended to immediately. They They called off the match, so there was no finish, and then she was taken to the back. She was walking, so that's... 
at least mm-hmm. a, a positive sign. Uh, I have inquired, and I might be getting an update before we're done the show tonight. So obviously, if I do, I will relay that information to everybody. Um, I was told that uh, she was scheduled to be doing a match on SmackDown tomorrow night. So um, we will we will see if those plans uh, are still intact for tomorrow night and what the extent is. Um, we don't know at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, sorry, did you mention what, what move or what specific thing might've caused the injury? I, I don't, I didn't see the actual move, just that people said she like landed. It appeared to be on her neck. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the exact move was. Um, there was some video online, but it was all in the aftermath of, uh, the, the, the officials out with Oscar, but not the actual move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they just rang the bell and it was a no contest, but I did see her, like they were helping her, uh, to the back, and she was walking, uh, so they didn't take her out on a stretcher or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, we had, uh, we awaited an update for sure. It's it. I mean, these injuries to the head are are never never things to take lightly. Yeah. So hopefully things are okay for her. Um, there was a report out today from uh, Raj Giri at WrestlingInc.com reporting on some of the details that led to the release of Arn Anderson last month and. Wrestling Inc. is reporting that it was an issue from, well, a ma- the major issue at the house show that had been discussed, but the specifics were unknown, was that allegedly Alicia Fox was uh, able to work while she was believed to have been intoxicated. And this ultimately came down on Arn Anderson, and this led to Arn Anderson's dismissal from the company. Uh, Alicia Fox did put out... Um, Kind of a cryptic message on Instagram where she just had the word resilience with the uh, definition of it attached. So hardly denying this, it seemed that this was um, kind of a response that this would seem to add up to to the story being reported. Uh, The last house show that Alicia Fox was on was back on February the 10th, and it was a a six-woman tag involving uh, Alicia Fox... Uh, tagging with Mickey James and Nikki Cross against Natalia Bailey and Dana Brooke in Saginaw, Michigan. So that is where this is apparently um, the show that this took place on. And a follow-up on this was from uh, Fightful.com, who had uh, reported that the WWE had offered rehab to Alicia Fox, and she kind of just went off the map. And mm. uh, that's the latest we know here. I have uh, requested a statement from the WWE to uh, confirm if this was, in fact, the reason why Arn Anderson was let go. They have not put out any response or statement to the story as of yet. Um, but, you know, uh, there, there's enough here that I, I think people can understand what the situation was. And I, I think many people would want to hear Arn Anderson's side to all of this as well and what the exact situation was. But ultimately, a performer getting into the ring intoxicated is something that just cannot happen. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. I mean, especially, you know, with I think uh, people being as uh, as many eyeballs being on on a company like the WWE as there tends to be. I mean, I also do want to say, though, you know, like whatever's going on with Alicia Fox, if that's concerning, too. Yeah. Like, I, I, I hope if 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 these things are true, that she's seeking the help that that she needs and that. You know, hopefully uh, wrestling fans out there on her social media aren't, you know, just making things worse because I think it's very easy to do that when you're removed. I think, you know, perhaps a lot of people perhaps even wanting to cast blame on her for 
Arn Anderson's firing. These things are just, you know, very different scenarios. And, and I, you know, we're in the end, we're talking about a person with a problem here. So I just hope everybody exercises, you know, that type of, of care. I think that's, that's very well said. Um, so, uh, that, that report came out on Monday, some other news from, uh, today, um, that just came out. Uh, All Elite Wrestling has announced that their July 13th show, Fight for the Fallen, will take place at Daly's Place, which is a amphitheater that's attached to TIAA Bankfield, which is the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the place is listed at a capacity of 5,500 people, and we knew that this was going to be a smaller show. This wasn't going to be all in or double or nothing, not at that scale. Um, I am going to imagine way that this is not going to be the traveling show that those two will be, but I think this is still going to be a really tough ticket to get if there are, you know, in the neighborhood of 5,500 tickets available. Absolutely. I mean, this is almost like kind of like, you know, the big, the big like stadium band all of a sudden like performing at like a, a small capacity, you know, like secret show somewhere in your city. So I don't doubt that even, you know, with a, with a much less attractive uh, des- travel destination, um that this will be an instant sellout there locally. will be absolutely yes completely sure. yeah like, like think about what some of the new japan shows just did in uh la and charlotte and then the nashville show like th- yeah these tickets will be gone instantly and it's going to be you know a pretty tough ticket to find would be mm-hmm. my assumption here um just before we move on asuka did tweet out oh i'm sorry for worrying you hit my back but that's fine Clown oh, her back. All right. Clown emoji. And then she also says, it is neither a concussion nor a neck. Perfect. Way is way is on the ball here. Well, thank you very much. So it's Twitter. That's all. So I think she means it's neither a concussion, a concussion nor a neck injury seems to be what she's saying. Well, that's certainly a uh, good news then uh, that it's nothing more serious than that. Uh, man, the news about Luke Perry was just, mm-hmm. man, so sad to hear about. And, you know, uh, he had a stroke last week and, uh, yeah, died on Monday. He was only 52 years old. Uh, not only was Luke Perry like a big follower of, of professional wrestling, he was a, a consultant on the, on the Ric Flair doc, uh, documentary on ESPN last year, but his son, of course, uh, Jungle Boy with All Elite Wrestling and from the, uh, California area, just a, really sad story i mean luke perry were you a big 90210 follower way or did you not really follow that show i really was not but i think you know like being alive in the 90s you really couldn't but help but like be pretty familiar with every character that was on that show and and certainly uh they were at the top of like like pop culture i remember like when when i was young because like that show came up probably when i was like i don't know maybe like seven or eight and like people being banned by their parents from watching the show. Oh, really? I, yeah, I guess because it was somewhat risque, you know, for, for like I, a I was that eight, nine-year-old that watched that show. I watched that like every day after school. I watched the reruns. I watched the new shows when they aired on like Wednesday nights on Fox. Wow. I, I probably saw it every... all, all the way through? I... I, I definitely was not a religious viewer by the tail end of it, but I still like checked in and like kept up with it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but the early seasons, um, to me, the 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 high point of the like Luke Perry was a really good actor, and in season five, this is when the the 
long lost family members have just pretty much bankrupted Dylan McKay. And he's fallen into like he's an alcoholic. He's getting into drugs. There's this cliffhanger where it's literally a cliffhanger where he drives his car off a cliff. And that's how the show ends. And you think he's going to die. And then you have to wait a week. It was like, man, all week you're worried. It's like, oh, my God, did Dylan McKay die? And then like his he just hits like rock bottom this season. And it's just uh, I I felt like his best acting uh, of that entire series was that fifth season uh, that he was in. But yeah, he was always one of my favorite characters on that show. And I I thought him as Fred Andrews, like Riverdale is a really goofy show. It's got a lot of wacky storylines, but Luke Perry's character as Archie Andrews' father was like the the moral center of the show that kept everything like he added like a seriousness to like the most silly of of storylines that they are uh involved with and like he was so awesome as Archie Andrews' father on that show, and they were right in the middle of shooting this season, so I, I don't even know how they're going to uh, address his passing. But yeah, I, I was I was very sad to hear this news today. It was so sudden. I think you know it's it's especially disappointing because you like we it kind of feels like you know you hear about the stroke and then we're all waiting and and especially with somebody this young hoping that you know there was a happy result at the end of it and. And unfortunately, there wasn't. So it, it, it's it's you know extremely extremely sad, and uh, you know our thoughts and prayers to to the family. And uh, I'll just quickly go through some of these. Um, Ryusuke Taguchi replacing David Finley in the New Japan Cup that came out over the weekend. Uh, Moose has signed a new deal with Impact Wrestling, and Ring of Honor has added uh, Jeff Cobb, Shane Taylor for the television title to their March seventeenth pay per view. And a couple WWE pay-per-view dates coming up. May 19th, Money in the Bank will take place in Hartford. And tonight at Raw, they announced that Extreme Rules will be in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center July the 14th. So those are some uh, dates coming up for uh, WWE pay-per-views. And uh, Tori Wilson going into the WWE Hall of Fame, but we can get into that during the Raw review. Uh, Anything else, uh, Way, to discuss before we dive into Raw? No, that's it. Let's do it. So the show from Philadelphia... The Wells Fargo Center started off with Roman Reigns, who came out to a huge reception. He said that last week was the comeback, but this week we take our yard back. And it's interesting that he has now changed it from my yard to our yard. It's everything is we now. And Roman is just the most over baby face in the world at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, the reaction that he had last week completely continued to to this week. He asks for Seth Rollins to come out, and the Kingslayer is now the Beast Slayer. For those of you that have to update your Seth Rollins apparel for WrestleMania season, he says that last week was one of the greatest moments of his career when Reigns made his announcement because it made him feel he can do anything. And he knows what Reigns wants to talk about because he knows what it's like to lose a title without actually losing it in the ring. But Reigns said, no. While I was gone, there was one person looking over this place, and it was you. And I have confidence in you. I know what it takes to beat Brock Lesnar. And Reigns just wants to wish him good luck. He doesn't want the title shot. He wants his best friend to go for the title shot. I thought this was, like, what a what a nice moment here between friends. It was really nice. And I think, like, so so often in wrestling now, everything is about, especially, like, with a, with a women's division, uh, as we'll talk about in the main event, Everything is about being an anti-hero 
and and every baby face is somewhat of a bad guy but here we just had a really nice good guy moment between two really good guys um it, it almost like to me had had sort of a very old school feel complete with like promos that sounded very genuine and from the heart and unscripted even though it could this very well could have been but there were wonderful performances i thought from seth and roman um you know just two guys like giving each other a whole lot of respect and I, I did enjoy the way they, they set everything up afterwards as well. I thought this was such a smart way to go about it. Like you have your match for WrestleMania and by Roman just being the gracious, you know, th- this friend. is the guy who relinquished the title and would have every right to have a claim for this title, but he's letting his friend go for it. And if they're smart about the way they do this, they're going to make the audience want Roman to get this title shot down the road. And it's something you can go back to, at some point, but it certainly does not need to be now. I, I totally. thought this was handled really well. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's there's nothing that'll, like, make somebody like somebody else more than, I think, them being willing to sacrifice something that they, you know, that they want themselves. And here, Roman displays that. He's willing to sacrifice his chance so that his friend can get an opportunity. He's sharing. Sharing is caring. So they go on, and Reigns says, I've got to ask a favor of you. He wants to get the band back together for one last time. And Rollins says, anything but that. No, not after what Dean did the night of your announcement. And I thought Rollins and Ambrose had buried the hatchet. I guess not. Did they? Well, they had like, they had the smirk with one another. Oh, they still didn't like each other. It's not like they're hanging out. It's like they're at the point where like they're willing to like say hi, say like nod at each other if they run into each other at the club, but like they're not having drinks yet. So Reigns explains to Rollins that one thing he's learned is that tomorrow is not guaranteed. We don't know how much time we have, and they are his brothers. And he said, with Dean, I don't know if he's leaving, but I see the headlines. I subscribe to the torch. And it might be their last chance together. So Rollins reluctantly says, you're right. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. I'll do it. And just like that, we have two-thirds of the shield together. And Reigns calls out Ambrose. He comes out. But then Elias comes from behind, nails Dean with the guitar shot. And Dean doesn't want their help as Reigns and Rollins come up the ramp. And he just goes to the back all by himself. So we are left to to wonder if they are going to come together. And would Elias be involved? They kind of dangled this of like, what uh, iteration of a match were we going to get? As a show long hook to get me to last throughout the episode, I thought this was set up wonderfully. And it was like a result that I actually cared about. Would the Shield get back together? Would Dean Ambrose be willing to join the other two? Um, I thought everything here was set up really well and, and, and again, very well executed. Charlie was with Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Baron Corbin, and Leo Rush. Drew said he broke the shield and called it three pathetic individuals living in the past. The power lies with them. Lashley said he's going to remind Balor that he's wearing my title and he's on borrowed time. And Corbin ends that Kurt Angle can't hang with him. So we have a six-man tag. Braun Strowman, Kurt Angle, and Finn Balor taking on McIntyre, Lashley, and Corbin. And lengthy match here. Um, We had Braun... Come in, he slaps Drew in the face. Balor lands a Topecon hero and then goes for another dive. Rush trips him and they go through the commercial break. 
and they've got the advantage on Balor. And Michael Cole brings up that ever since Drew McIntyre beat Dolph Ziggler in that steel cage match, we have only seen Dolph sparingly since. Have we seen him at all? The Royal Rumble. Hmm. Remember that surprise that nobody cared about the next night? I totally forgot. Yes, he did his big surprise. I don't know why, but he was there at the Rumble. Hot tag is made to Kurt. He hits all these Germans to Drew. Got a very big reaction for that. And then Angle blocks, um, like, a, he, 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 like, back body drops Drew. And then he just falls back on top of Drew and does, like, a backwards, like, somersault. It was a, it was a back roll. Like, I think that's what, like, he was back rolling onto Drew in order to get to his feet. He just looked like he landed all his weight on this guy and then, like, did not gracefully do this. Yeah, uh, sure. He, he went into the ankle lock. Uh, Lashley came in. There was a Glasgow kiss to Angle. Second commercial break. Then Braun ran wild. There was a coup de grace to Corbin. Leo broke that up. And then Lashley runs Balor into the post. Braun misses Lashley. Kills Leo Rush on the floor with a shoulder tackle through the barricade. D- d- like, like d- destroyed him. Like, Leo Rush was just done. It was a Mack truck running over a mouse. Yeah, this was... <laughs> It almost made me wonder, like, why they haven't done more with Braun and Leo Rush. Like, that is the visual to oh, man. to involve these two with. Hey, what happened to, like, because didn't last week, like, didn't it really feel like they were baby-facing Leo Rush a little, you know? By having him, like, do really well against Finn Balor and, like, having Lashley yell at him and making you feel sorry for Leo Rush? Well, he learned his lesson last week. Don't cross Bobby Lashley. He fell back in line this week. Yeah, I guess. They've gone through a lot of turmoil since the last pay-per-view. It's been a tough I, three weeks. I did notice him, like, kind of sulking, like, in the back when they were all talking. Like, Leo Rush wasn't really as loud or as, like, obnoxious as before. But um, may, he maybe... He knew what was coming at the end of this match. Yeah, I'm very exactly. concerned. <laughs> so Lashley tags in, spears Balor, and pins him. And, yeah, on the surface, it would seem like Lashley is building up towards a rematch with Finn Balor for the Intercontinental title, but that's not happening on Sunday. And I can't see that being held off till WrestleMania. So maybe they're just going to do the rematch on TV next week or something. Possible, man. Uh, You know, I just kind of saw this as them heating up these three before Sunday. Yeah, that was the overall tone here. They just beat down Angle after the match. They beat him with the steps and then placed him in the ring. There was a Claymore kick to Balor, and they just stood tall. And you're right. I think the 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 goal of the segment was not building up a challenger for Balor. It was getting these three across as the big um, destructive heel unit to oppose the Shield. For the month, it doesn't even seem like Balor... Um, he doesn't even have a match on Sunday. Does he? Does Strowman even have anything? No. no. Yeah. No. So. None of these. None of the babyface side has anything announced for Sunday so far. So I guess you could kind of sacrifice him for the month. Charlie is with Heavy Machinery, and they had footage of the tag division in the locker room burying Heavy Machinery. See, they they promoted this like it was some like secret footage that somebody caught. But then it's when they beautifully cut to shot, it. like uh, like on a tripod, <laughs> like it's, it's like white balanced. Like they had a great shot here. This I is not like, like cell phone footage. Well, exactly. I feel like this would have been perfect to shoot on a cell phone or something. Something that feels, you know, like it's actually like in NXT, they do do that a whole lot. They kind of like think about presentation and, and, and the way like things are shot a whole lot more than I would say they do on the main roster where the goal seems to be just to make everything look perfect and pretty. Yeah. GTV, I guess, has officially been shelved 2019. Yeah. This was a great way to bring it back. 
the Ascension complained to that we had Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, and the B team. They made fun of Otis's looks. They compared him to Chris Farley. And when they said that Otis was in a gym, they said, of course, because he's a dumb bell. I thought that was pretty funny. And we go back, and now Otis can speak. He says he's sensitive, and that hurt his feelings. Tucker says he's going to make this right, and they're going to take out the entire division. And Otis has a tendency to hurt those that hurt his feelings. Graves responded by saying he needs an adult coloring book because not even a second grader would have been offended by those insults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's clear from watching this episode of Raw that there are two tiers of your tag team division. There's the tag team title challengers, of which the, the Revival see themselves in, even Rude and Gable see themselves in right now. And then you have, like... Open These segments night. that bring literal tears to my eyes as I <laughs> sit through. Exactly. And I, I guess on some level, I'm just happy that, you know, guys like uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins and the B team are at least getting speaking roles on an edition of Raw. I think that's an improvement, I suppose. But, yeah, this uh, is awesome. This is great. <laughs> oh. They, they were be, there. They could be doing nothing else. You know, that's they could just be buying action figures and I don't know. Yeah, that's not so bad. Yeah. I follow their I follow their YouTube. Yeah, I follow their YouTube channel a whole lot. Um Ryder and Hawkins. They like they'll just like they were in Ottawa recently and like they were really enamored because Canada still has Toys R Us. So they were going to every Toys R Us on their trip. Then there was a promo for Total Bellas, and they didn't fully explain the co- the the context, but what I gathered from this is that Bree was so affected by all the negativity over the Liv Morgan stuff that she needs to get her mind off of it, and the answer is having a second child. <laughs> yeah, they kind of made the two, like, one whole sentence, didn't they? Yes. I'm sure this is going to play out a little differently in a one-hour format than a 30-second one, but that was the conclusion I took as someone that only watches the Total Bellas promos and relies on you for the actual episode contents. It is the solution to cyberbullying, having a second Babies. Child. Yeah. Uh, they had the Philadelphia city signature here with all the landmarks, including Bryce Harper, who was inserted into this. So I guess that contract came with a lot of perks. Natalia, Ruby Riot had a very quick match. Discus clothesline to Ruby Riot. It took me, um, this match was two minutes. It took me about 45 seconds to remember that they had this very intense feud. Oh, over the jacket, yeah. Over, over the, the glasses. The glasses, that's right. Yes. The glasses, yeah. uh, she went for the sharpshooter on Ruby, but as she was applying it, Morgan and Logan are reach are pushing the ropes towards Ruby, but Ruby is able to break out of the sharpshooter, turn it into a cradle, then Natalia reversed the cradle and got the cover in two minutes. A very quick match. Quick, quick, quick. And then Lacey just came out, did her routine as Natalia appeared annoyed, and the gimmick is Renee Young loves Lacey Evans. She thinks Lacey Evans is the greatest. And uh, this is the most we got uh, in terms of a tease of something with mm-hmm. maybe Lacey's first uh, program being with Natalia. Yeah, I think that would make sense as a first program. Probably the best person to put her in with and someone that Lacey can go over and have a str- uh, at least as good a match as you're probably going to have with anyone on the Raw side. It's kind of Natalia's role right now, yep. you know. But um, I think, you know, with uh, Fastlane out of the way by next week, you'll probably start to see some 
actual plans uh, shape up for her. It seems as though, you know, like of the of that first NXT crop that debuted earlier this year, it's kind of Heavy Machinery and Lacey Evans that seem to be getting any type of focus. Like Nikki Cross and, I mean, EC3, really nothing. Lacey Evans might win that call-up by default. Yeah. So we are 50 minutes, 5-0, into the show when Michael Cole finally brings up the the state of Ric Flair. Could you imagine watching that show, Way? And it ends, and you're concerned about Ric Flair. And it took us a week and 50 minutes before we had to bring up Ric Flair and his, and his health. And he blamed the heinous actions of Batista, and they recapped the angle. And then we go backstage. Stephanie McMahon is on her phone, and in walks Michael Che and Colin Jost. And when they announce that they are going to be the special correspondents for WrestleMania. Jost puts on a New York Mets hat, and by put on, I mean he attempted. I've never seen someone screw up putting on a baseball hat. Wei Ting, <laughs> the king of the snapback, would just shake his head in disgust at this guy trying to put on this hat, which was the source of Corey Graves' ridicule throughout the show. Stephanie is explaining how complex the WWE is, um, some of the international agreements they have, and talent can be aggressive. Jost jokes about wrestling in high school, and the gimmick here is that Michael Che is the real fan, and Colin Jost is like the asshole who hates wrestling. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you want to talk about the entirety of their contributions to the show now, or you want to wait later. But I will just cut to the chase and state that I, I, I cannot fathom that we are going to have to deal with these two throughout the lead up to WrestleMania or throughout many segments at WrestleMania. I, I love these two on Weekend Update. I could, I could not sit through these all night long. What does that mean, correspondent? What do you think that'll entail? Stupid segments like we got tonight all over WrestleMania. They'll be backstage interviewing. Oh, I I don't know. I don't know what it entails, but what I saw tonight was taking two very funny people and being extremely unfunny in every single bit tonight. You know, doesn't this tell you like what a typical WWE wrestler has to put up with? I mean, to begin with, they're, they're not actors and they're not performers. But even if you take a strong actor or a strong comedian and put them into this system, it nothing nothing really turns out well. So how special does somebody like a, you know, um, uh, uh, Paul Heyman or Samoa Joe have to be in order to, like, actually make it work? One of the funnier stories when they were doing the regular guest host was when Dennis Miller hosted and it was terrible. Like he was very bad. And several months later he did some interview and he's explaining that you'll never believe this, but I I once hosted raw and you know, uh, Vince McMahon, he's explaining to me how comedy works. (laughs) And Dennis Miller is not like insulting Vince McMahon, but he's pretty much just saying like, yeah, he's telling me how comedy works and pretty much just admitted that it was just an awful experience hosting Raw, and it was very, very bad. But yeah, it's like you have a professional, like veteran stand-up comedian come in, and you know it's still it's it's Vince McMahon's show. 
I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what which party kind of brought up this partnership first? Was it NBC or was it the WWE wanting some type of, you know, New York connection to, to the show? I'm, I, 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 I don't doubt that it probably, you know, NBC and, wanting to cross promote. And, you know, it's like these two are like that. That's a great get for them to have these two. Like these are it? two very, I, I would say like they're Is it going to make any popular. difference at all? To to uh, whether a wrestling fan would watch WrestleMania or whether an SNL fan might watch WrestleMania. I'm just saying that if I was a member of the writing staff and I'm told, hey, we're bringing in Michael Che and Colin Jost. It's like, OK, we could do something with that. Um, but this was awful. This was I, I thought these segments were just terrible tonight. Yeah, we'll see if they could do better. I mean, if if in fact like either of these two are, are wrestling fans, I I, I I I think it always works best when, you know. The the people are actually into wrestling and and maybe do something that's a bit less I would say kind of easy than you know like playing the outsider who doesn't think wrestling is real but I don't know maybe maybe to some people it works yeah that that was the crescendo of these segments mm-hmm. asking if it's real uh, there's a SmackDown promo all built around Kofi Kingston losing his title shot and Daniel Bryan will speak out about his new challenger on Tuesday night. Then out comes Triple H. First, they air Batista's Instagram video message stating he is not in Philadelphia tonight because he doesn't want to be there. I don't have any other obligations. I just don't want to be there. And I'll give us some thought this week if how much I don't like Pittsburgh, and we'll see about next week. And this became hilarious because later in the show, they, they were starting to heavily promote Batista face-to-face with Triple H next week. And Renee keeps asking... If Batiste is going to be there, and then you have Corey Graves saying, "No, no, no, I'm, I know he'll be there. He will definitely be there." <laughs> I think they wanted to make it clear Batista will be here next week, and Renee was still like just throwing it out that oh, we, we don't know, we don't know if he'll be here. I found it very, very funny. So Hunter uh, turns into Paul in the ring, and he says that last week's birthday, it was not for Ric Flair, it was for Richard Fleer. Richard Fleer. Is that? I hope. Who's that? I, I wonder how many people in the audience may have wondered who is this Richard Fleer you are talking about. There I don't must know. have been some. Certainly, the children, yeah, would have no idea who Richard Fleer was. Yeah, I, I didn't even think twice until you just asked that question. But absolutely, there would probably oh. be fans that would not understand that Ric Flair's real name is Richard Fleer. Yeah, I mean, it's not even so much that, but like. You know, the whole thing with Rhonda and Becky over the weekend and people like going off on all that stuff. I mean, for them to, I think, you know, do. Doesn't it beg the, the question? Thing. Why are there different names for these people? Kind of. Yeah. Kind don't of. Don't you don't. It doesn't like the most elementary fan ask, why is she Rebecca Quinn and Becky Lynch at the same time? Somebody thought it sounded better. Um, it does happen though. Like with like Hollywood, you know, people have like fake names. You've been using Wei Ting since when you were 20. Kevin? I mean, it's my real name. It's just the shortened version of my full name. So. Well, Paul goes on to state that there is, uh, Richard Fleer is not a person many people have met, but it's who he has spent years driving up and down the road with. They've been with each other for their best and their worst moments. 
Richard Fleer was there at my wedding, and I tried to be at most of his weddings, but I couldn't fit all of them into my schedule, which on its own was a funny line, but I thought with what was coming next and the tone, I kind of felt it was like an awkward fit to to insert a joke. Because okay. we were about to get like the most serious line imaginable ex- right after this. Because he goes into the worst of times when he was there when Rick buried his son. And oh. this is this is not the first time that they have used uh, Reed in, in a storyline. Uh, I mean, the last time, if you recall, when they did the deal with Paige and Charlotte, you know, there was a big uproar about it. And it was made even worse when Ric Flair did an interview several days later. It was on his podcast and talked about, like, he didn't even know the line was coming. And he just starts crying as he's watching and hears this. And that made it even worse. Now, I'm certain this time around, he was aware this line was coming. I'm still uneasy about doing this for a storyline. I just think that there's a certain... There's a certain level of reality we do not need to get into, such as a man who has lost his son. And if anyone has read Rick's book uh, or or just heard from him, describe like this man never is going to be over the loss of his son, and he and he blames himself uh, for for mm-hmm. some of this. And it's yeah. it's it's unlike any burden you could imagine uh, for somebody. And well, of course. Uh, I just, I just it, it's it's very tough to insert this in, into we're building up a pro wrestling match and use this. I think so often, you know, like the reaction to when lines like this or Roman's leukemia are, are, are used, it's, you know, all of the performer who they're talking about is obviously OK with it. So why can't everybody be OK with it and just chill out for me? Like, it's not even so much about that and more so about how perhaps uncomfortable it makes me to feel like somebody's you know death is being used to to promote a fictitious wrestling match or somebody's leukemia is being used to promote a fictitious wrestling match even like even it, if with it being separate from the person that it's actually you know happening to because a lot of people share these experiences you know people who have suffered you know the loss of a child or people who have suffered you know from uh from from cancer and i think like to to just kind of like it feels like it's kind of being this, 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 you know, forcing of like, here, feel the sympathy for this situation so that you will buy a ticket to come to my next show. There's something that just takes me right out of it. So I, I was not a fan of this at all. Yeah. And I still feel the same level of emotion was there with, with Hunter then explaining that, you know, a year and a half ago, Flair was in a hospital bed clinging to life and he just wanted to put on this birthday party for for Flair and I I didn't have an issue with that um making it specific to Rick I think that you still have a very real um you know what what was thought was going to be a tragedy that ended up being a miracle that this guy lived for and here he's getting to celebrate a birthday that he was not expected to and I think that you could have gone that way, and that's a real life incident that I don't think um, would have been as a, a turnoff. Like the, the line about the sun was just to me that several steps way too far for me. Yeah, 
it was this plus like you know again like the breaking of, of the fourth wall that um i i'm much more like lenient with something like that happening on twitter than happening you know in ring on the wrestling program that i'm actually watching where i mean twitter i could accept a bunch of things not being quote-unquote canon but anything that takes place in ring i just i thought it was unnecessary uh, that being the son or also using the Richard the Fleer, Richard Fleer. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Um, so he talks about putting on this birthday for Rick and all of his friends being the, there. And the person who took it away was Dave. And he says that Dave cried online for two years. And finally, this time you couldn't quit like you always did. You attacked a 70 year old man. And then he mocks Batista's promo. You want to go bad guy 101 with me? And he mocks the promo. And he offers to go to Batista's house. Or you can come to mine. He'll meet him on a movie set. He'll be waiting at every building and tells him to have some balls. This isn't something we are selling. There are no characters. And when he stands face to face with him, you aren't looking at the character. You're looking at the man. You wanted my attention, Dave. You've got it. And he leaves. Yeah. I think anybody who was upset at like the Rhonda tweets over the weekend should be just as upset over this. I thought this was um first of all, I thought I thought he just took way too long to get to his points like like a typical Triple H uh, promo. I mean, perhaps it's because he does a lot of imp- improvising and going by feeling, whatever. But it, it lost my interest, and I think like doing work shoot on TV is just a so passe for like 2019. It didn't work in the year 2000. And to me, just like reeks of Hunter grasping at straws because he doesn't know how to be a good baby face after all this time. So I thought this was, uh, I didn't like this at all. I, I wasn't as negative on it as you were. I, I thought his delivery was very good of um... that's all it is. It's always that, you know, Hunter sounds great. But it takes forever for him to get to, to his points. But anyway, please go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, I I could certainly see a lot of issues with certain lines that were in here that to me were just not necessarily uh, building anything. It was just kind of scoring quick points for shock value or at least the attempt to shock some people or, or go that direction. Um, I, I still felt by by the end of this that people are interested in this match. I think that there is a certain grudge level that they have established here. So I thought overall the promo accomplished that. Um, but I, I certainly took issue mainly with the line about Reed. I thought that that one was kind of, kind of lost me once you're going to that length to get over a pro wrestling match. I just, I really don't need that in my pro wrestling. And maybe there's some who feel that everything is fair game when it comes to building stuff up, but I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I don't know. I ex- I would expect this promo from Ronda. I wouldn't really expect it from a veteran like Triple H, somebody who's coaching other people to, to you know, cut good pro wrestling promos. Somebody who, yeah, whatever. But um, I I I like Batista a lot though. In his short Instagram video, I thought he sat and created, and I look forward to what he he's able to do as a heel next week. So they recap the Ronda angle from last week, and Charlie interviewed Stephanie and Ronda, and. Charlie mentions that Ronda apparently was abdicating the title because we don't say vacate and called it, uh, Stephanie called it disrespectful 
and blasphemy what she did. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. She's going to hell for this. So they are dropping all the charges against Becky Lynch because that's what's best for business and has invited Becky tonight to come sign a hold harmless agreement because if something happens at Fastlane when she faces Charlotte Flair for the vacant title, the WWE will not be held accountable. Now, I had many questions after this. Number one was that it was Hunter and Stephanie that had absolved Becky of any punishment, and then Vince overruled them to suspend her. Mm. So it doesn't... So Vince was nowhere to be found on this show, and Stephanie just lifted the suspension. I guess one would assume she consulted with Vince, and Vince was okay because he didn't step in. All right. Then the other one was that the whole... The whole problem between Ronda and Stephanie was that Stephanie refused to budge and lift the suspension. That's the whole crux of this issue with Ronda. So her answer, that's why Ronda handed her the title. So once she's got the title, now she is going to give Ronda what she wanted. She's going to lift the suspension. That's what Ronda wanted in the first place. Well, the explanation to that, I think they will tell you, is that Stephanie is playing mind games with everybody. These are all just her chess pieces, and she's fucking with everybody. Um, Because this made me feel less that Becky is the one being held back, and now it feels like they're out to get Ronda. I think it is. I mean, listen, by the end of the the whole show, you kind of, like, I think what's happening here is that Stephanie's trying to manipulate everybody. She's trying to unleash, like, like Ronda at her, like, you know, fiercest heel Ronda, um, onto Becky Lynch, and in the end, have everybody destroy each other. I don't know. Like, I'm not 100% clear myself, because by the end of this whole episode, this whole thing did become pretty convoluted. Roman met with Dean Ambrose, reminded him that they were here in the, uh, the, the, the dire bowels of the arena, and the, said, hey, we, the, we've the, got a locker room now. The beautifully lit... Um, <sighs> Boiler room. All boiler rooms have a have a blue tinge to the pipes. Yeah. And he reminded him, we have a locker room, and we can talk about anything. And Dean just says, I've got to stay sharp. I've got to get ready for my match. Yeah. I say it again. Roman, in every scene, he's like the most likable friend in all of these scenes. Like, I mean, he just seems like a really likable guy to all of his friends here. But he's like, this no... Is- but performance-wise, he's no different from who he always was. He's playing the same guy. It's just like we we know what this man just went through. And, you know, it changes our outlook on him. So we're the I, ones that have changed. We we have never heard Roman Reigns in a scene tell anyone, hey, man, we can talk about anything. Are you sure? I don't think he has ever said that. Well, he said something to that effect. He's hardly like a heel or a dick otherwise. Well... Dean wanted none of it. We had our gauntlet match. Heavy machinery going through the uh, the second tier of the tag division. First up was the B team involving Curtis Axel flossing, which is that not gimmick infringement or does each brand get the ability to have one flosser? Who's the other one? Kofi? Our uh, truth and Carmella. Oh. Um, I don't know. Kofi. <laughs> Doesn't he do the boom drop? 
Isn't that flossing? I don't think that's really flossing. Oh, God. Uh, they hit the compactor and pinned Bo Dallas in a minute 37. Uh, that's all I've got here. I need to brush up on my dance moves. The Ascension was in. They did the Bushwhackers dance. They ran it to Connor together. Renee says it's kind of creepy that there was a camera in that locker room. Not yeah. wrong. Otis came in, splashed Victor, Vader bomb, pinned him. And then last up was Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Hawkins is on his 261 match losing streak. Corey Graves uh, asked if uh, Colin Jost was going to bring Big Poppy and mentioned that Otis had a big lunch as he channeled Keenan Thompson, who was not on this show. Maybe he could have salvaged some of these scenes. Uh, Otis did the worm much better than Johnny Walker the other night and hit the caterpillar, pinning Kurt Hawkins, and Heavy Machinery won the gauntlet. Yeah, all a showcase for those guys. I, I mean, hopefully they will transcend themselves up to the uh, upper echelon of the tag team division on Raw at some point. This was a star-making night. Oh, yeah. No heat for this whatsoever, but, you know, they are still in the building phase, phase for heavy mach- machinery. And, um, ah, whatever, I think they're doing fine. Again, I think it's it's great that they seem to be getting Vince's attention versus somebody like EC3 or, or, or Nikki Cross. They announced Triple H and Batista will be in Pittsburgh for Way's favorite type of meeting, a face-to-face. I prefer Skype, actually. That's that is true. I guess I guess Hunter should have uh, just popped up as Paul and said it's actually going to be a face to heel. Oh, thanks. Yes, that's what we say on the inside. <laughs> Michael Che and Colin Jost are backstage. Jost, we now learn he's he's not a he doesn't hate wrestling. He's a jaded fan who watched it when he was a kid because he's listing off the wrestlers he knows. Coco Beware, the Bushwhackers, and he knows what The Rock is cooking. They walk past EC3. Of course, neither of these guys know who this is because they don't watch Raw. And then they run into Titus O'Neil, and he wants a picture, but only with Michael Che. And then No Way Jose and the Conga line walk by. Anything to add? This sucked. Moving on. Tori Wilson going into the Hall of Fame. They aired a video. This was quite the video. This was like a dozen Tori Wilson entrances. It was her this titan was, tr- it was her Titantron. It was pretty much like just random entrances, uh bikini shots, and I would say maybe three shots of her inside the ring. And that was it. Tori Wilson in the Hall of Fame. Well, th- I mean, you, you don't have to be an in ring performer to make it to the Hall of Fame. Plenty of like managers or announcers are in there, but um How do you do a Tory Wilson video without Al Wilson? Uh that's a great point. Is he still alive? Yes. Well oh. in story or in real life? Well in real life, yeah. Well in real life, yes. I, oh, okay. I believe I believe so. Okay, okay. Um yeah, I mean I I, I love that storyline. That was more of a Don Marie thing, I guess, than Tory. Um I don't Don know. Marie has to induct Tori, and then the end, because for some of the Hall of Fame speeches, they always have to have their little high spot. Al Wilson has to make an appearance. He's got a raise from the dead, and I'm he's sure been alive he, this whole I'm time. I'm sure he's going to be there. Of course he'll be there. They've got to yeah, use him. Definitely. I don't know. That'll, if he'll, make, he'll, that'll make her speech excellent. He'll do Aleister Black's entrance. <laughs> <laughs> Al Black. Oh. God. Oh, my God. 
Wait, uh, if that doesn't happen, Alistair WrestleMania Wilson. weekend is a bust. Yeah. Oh. Alistair Wilson. Let's do it. I love it. Charlie was with Charlotte Flair. She brought up Becky's stubborn Irish pride, calls her arrogant. The man does not compare to the queen, and she's going to put Becky on the shelf for good. She's a one-legged competitor in an ass-kicking contest, and she can bask in her glory. Damn. Yeah. Gimmick infringement. I know. Then um, se- sorry, do you have any yep. more thoughts on Tori Wilson being inducted into the Hall of Fame? We kind of saved that news tidbit for this. Um, I mean, you know, she had, she kind of got into wrestling kind of in a unique way. She went to a show with her boyfriend and ended up getting pretty much recruited to join WCW. And she did. She came in with those vignettes and joined David Flair. Then she was with the Filthy Animals for a long time, including Billy Kidman, had a run with Shane Douglas. And then when she came to the WWE, she was involved in that angle with Vince McMahon that was supposed to lead up to the storyline divorce between Vince McMahon and Linda when they were doing the WCW-WWF split. And after that, I mean, Tori had, I don't know, she had a run with the company. Mm-hmm. Any, any thoughts yourself? Not really. Nothing? That's not really. Oh, okay. I feel you wanted to chat more about it. No, no, no. I, I felt like um, maybe we we needed to give it some attention. And uh, um, nothing's coming to mind. I'm sorry. Well, Seth Rollins met with Dean Ambrose. And Seth was able to explain everything that went down with them. Dean, that's what brothers do. They fight. And says that there's always been mutual respect and tells Dean, you are my wrestling soulmate. And they have one shot to do this the right way. But Dean says, nah, I'm busy. I've got a match coming up. Seth just bared his soul to this poor man. I think Seth has been excellent lately. You know, he's been able to tap into like a real good babyface voice that, again, feels very genuine and heroic. So... It's hard for me to believe that this was the same guy who, you know, had that title run as a heel who just sounded so, like, oh, not very good. Um, But as a babyface, I think he's tremendous right now. If if you ever, um, if I ever get an illness and then you attack one of our mutual friends... Yeah. And then afterwards, your explanation is, oh, that's what we do. We fight. I'll say, you know what, Way? I understand. Still kind of shitty. Absolutely. Well, what if it was your wish for me and that friend to get back together? Uh, I, I guess the wish would override the infraction. You're right. I guess that's it. Seth and Dean owe it to Roman to bury the hatchet. Elias is in the ring. This segment was awesome. He starts performing a song and he just starts listing off reasons he knows he's in Philly. Because the Stanley Cup is nowhere to be found. Because everyone's mom looks like that slob gritty. Everyone is fat. 
pretty self-explanatory. That was a pretty much a, a one-note insult. He saw an Eagles fan eating horse manure on the side of the road. The children here have no future, no matter how hard they try. And Bryce Harper told him this is where his career would go to die. I thought this was awesome. I thought Elias was fantastic here. I feel like he probably does this for every single town, but we don't get to watch. All he seemed like he was having the time of his life. Oh, yeah. Just knowing each insult was going to like the next one was going to be worse than the previous one. And he's great. Like he's oh, great God. in this role. I hope he never turns babyface for the rest of his career. Can you imagine turning this guy babyface? No. So It'll he had the happen. <laughs> well, if it does, they'll forget about it one week and he'll be back once they realize. Elias Dean Ambrose. Um, this was the match that Dean was uh, stewing about backstage all night long. Dean is still selling the guitar shot from earlier, holding his back. They went through a break. Elias is in control. Misses a Piscato, so Dean lands a suicide dive. The drift away gets blocked, and Dean's back is hurt. He comes off the top turnbuckle right into a knee from Elias, who hits drift away and pins Dean Ambrose. Yeah. So just like that. Even when he's about to rejoin the Shield, he he still has to lose. But I thought he lost for a good reason here. Number one, because, you know, he's about to have a... Like, you have to build up the heels uh, in this uh, Shield match. And also, I think it just, like, gives extra sympathy to the guy. He's been losing so much. Like, we all just feel so sorry for him. So, um, I, well, this, I he, this heel isn't in the match. Do we know that, though? I guess they, they announced it was a six-man tag. That's true. But what 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 about Braun? Well, they, they didn't announce either of them, nor did they even tease it, uh, Braun. I, I think it's just going to be three on three. Like, they made it pretty definitive. You're not yeah, going to add okay. them just, you know, on a WWE.com edition. Are you sure about that? I mean, they can do whatever they want. Um, it just, to me, it's why wouldn't you set that up here or at least tease something in that direction? Um, mm-hmm. If anything, they could have just put Elias and made it three on four. But that's not the match they announced. They did announce three on three. Yeah. So... Maybe Elias gets involved. He could do something. He's certainly like attached to this story, at least with Dean. So Dean leaves the ring as Rollins and Reigns come out. They go to commercial, and Reigns and Rollins are at the top of the ramp. When we come back after this three-minute commercial, they're just making their way to the bottom of the ramp. So I don't know what this commercial break consisted of, other than the two of them just standing there for a long time. They plead to Dean, but I he like just... to think of them walking really slow for three like, minutes, like Randy Orton at his peak, where he was just taking ungodly amounts of time to walk to the ring. Probably slower than that. Iron Sheik at WrestleMania. Yeah. So Dean just leaves. He goes into the crowd, and Reigns and Rollins are left in the ring as Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley come out, and Dean just can't turn his eyes away. He's just standing there. Corbin calls this pathetic. Drew says they're three broken stray dogs fighting for the scraps at their table. And Drew says, we were going to offer you guys a match at Fastlane, but you don't deserve it. We're going to end it right now. Dean keeps watching. The crowd starts chanting for the shield, and it's a three-on-two attack, and Dean Ambrose is reacting like he's Chuck Liddell cage side at a fight. He just can't control himself, and he runs back down to help them, the shield clear the ring, and then Roman puts out his fist. Rollins joins him with his fist. 
Rollins starts yelling, Come on! Come on! And Dean, he's got a magnet on his fist. He just can't pull it away. And we get the greatest fisting ever. Right here in the middle of the ring. And they scream as their fists come together. This was the the shield gauntlet come together. I thought that the ring was going to just erupt with fireworks. Unicorns were going to jump out of the arena. What a moment. It was very satisfying. I thought this was a great, like, payoff to this two-hour build. You had one... Listen, ideally, this could have been something you did over weeks and weeks, but they didn't have weeks and weeks. They had one. I think it would have been worse. You're right. They probably would have fallen off course, and they would have had to drag this out, and it probably... Like, time may have been their enemy. So I thought this was a really, like, nice moment. They... You knew in that first segment. Like, you knew in the first segment, okay, we're getting the reunion. But they held it back, and they made it a big pop, and they made you wait two hours for the moment. And I thought they did a really great job with it. They only had one week to do it, and I thought in four to five segments, they told a really satisfying redemption story involving Dean Ambrose. Um, You know, I think maybe if they did have a bit more time, you could have maybe explained a bit more of what was going on in Dean's head exactly when he was saying a lot of those things, I would say, you know, like maybe some explanation about why, you know, maybe it was jealousy. Maybe it was like some other justification perhaps would have helped, but they didn't need it really. Like this audience was ready to cheer Ambrose anyway. Again, I feel like he's been drawing a lot of sympathy with how much he's been losing. So I think everybody's ready to see him, you know, turn face again. Um, Overall, I thought it worked out really well. I think this is the main event on the show. I think that you could, like, now that it's Brian and Owens, I think this closes the show. Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing bigger than this. Yeah. I mean, Becky, Charlotte, that still, to me, doesn't feel as hot as Roman coming back. Mm, that, that'd be your other option. But I, I feel this could end the show. I, I think this you, will. you could do the women. Those are, those are the two options. I think the women are getting WrestleMania. Yeah, well, maybe. And, and especially if you have an angle to shoot with Roman um, for WrestleMania. Um whether it's one of the, whether it's Drew, um, whether it's Dean, uh, Dean, like I did see, like they, that was the original idea, was Roman and Dean at WrestleMania, um, that that could be where they go with it. That'd be good too. Like if if Dean, you know, did this fisting all just to turn on Roman afterwards, I mean that might elicit some groans from maybe everybody. You know, but at the same time, I feel like if it's like a WrestleMania match that they're building towards, I I think that's a great way to get there. Sasha Banks versus Tamina. Very quick match. Um, Side Russian leg leg sweep into the bank statement and then Nia pulled Tamina to the floor. Bailey goes after her, gets tossed by Nia. And then there's a Meteora by Sasha off the apron to Nia. And the distraction leads to Tamina super kicking Sasha, pins her in 313 as the challengers get a win over the champions heading into Sunday's tag match. Yeah. Simple booking. Michael Che is recounting the night's events, and he tells Colin Jost, I have to go to the bathroom. Jost asks him, do you want me to come watch? Che says, this isn't prison. Jost says, well, I'm not scared of anyone here. So the idea is he wants Che by his side. So as he's left on his own, he turns around and there's Braun Strowman who tosses Jost's New York Mets hat away. 
Joe starts making jokes about working out. And then he asks, is any of this stuff even real? So now he's playing John Stossel. And I thought Braun was going to slap him in the ear for authenticity's sake. But he lifted Jost up off the floor against the wall and yelled, what do you think? And I thought that Reigns and Rollins and what took up their commercial break was going to give me the most uh, the, the most confusion as to what was happening. No, this was the commercial break that I had to envision because we come back and Braun is still holding him up in the air. Like, don't you get bored? Like, what are you even like? You're you're gone from the chaotic nature of this, and it's just like, dude, are you gonna put me down or are you gonna hit me? Like, what is the follow up here? Because you've established that I'm at your mercy. Um, I don't know. I I was just so checked out of these segments. Way I, I don't know. Uh, che returned I mean, from the bathroom, uh, which was a perfect metaphor for this entire night for these two and their comedy. I I did not like these segments at all, and the only thing worse is knowing that there's more of them to come. They've really gotten to the habit lately of like um, doing cliffhangers, and um, was this know, a, was this a cliffhanger? Was there anything I left? Mean, it kind of was supposed to be like it was a continuation of a segment uh, in between commercial breaks without. Oh, you, know, you mean the the break? Yes. Yeah, without any type of like uh, you know, um, like they're not treating it as if it was real time. Yep, and then. Braun said, I'll see you at WrestleMania. And that's how it was ended. So I can only imagine that that Nicholas is going to back up Braun and we're going to get a tag match. Yeah. Sure, why not? The Revival defended the Raw tag titles against Aleister Black and Ricochet. Charlie interviewed the challengers. Al said, people fear what they can't comprehend. And then Ricochet took over, stating... We are excited, we are humbled, and we are ready. And they came out, and Graves called Ricochet Captain Marvel's favorite superstar. Because he flies, I guess. Did you see Captain Marvel? It's not even out yet. Oh, I thought it was out already. It's out this week. Yeah, Friday. Gotcha. They quickly stop Aleister Black... Uh, Wilder and Dawson had the advantage. Then Rudin Gable came down, went through a commercial, ricochets in, and then Rudin Gable attacked Dash Wilder on the floor for the disqualification. Black and Ricochet are pissed, including both of them yelling at at Rudin Gable, is this how you conduct yourselves? And they have this shouting match in the ring. Black and Ricochet send them to the floor, and then they flip off the ropes and pose together like superheroes. And that was the end here. Uh, certainly the heavy tease is that we're going to get a three-way on Sunday, but that was not officially announced, but I would expect that to be added to Fastlane. And no Gargano Champa. Mm-hmm. Any update on that? No, other than it appears Champa's hurt, and mm-hmm. I, I think they've just been, while, while that's being dealt with, they've kind of been written off of this program at the moment, and it looks like it's going to be these three teams. Honestly, I don't know where they would fit in. I mean, I guess they would have had this spot, Potentially, four way. I mean, but four way. Oh, four teams, including the the two NXT teams. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose so. I I think they're better off not being a part of this mix. To be honest, you know, I think it's better to to focus on one of these teams at once. And right now, it's Black and Ricochet who are kind of your upstarts. Uh, I think they're amazing in ring. Ricochet to me, he's the freshest, most most exciting in ring performer 
on this entire show. So any chance that they have in there uh, to take up TV time, I'm more than welcome. I think Rude and Gable seem to be better off as heels right now, um, especially against Ricochet and Black, because they really stand no chance to be cheered anyway. So I, I expect all this, you know, if it is a three-way, to be a really good match, because uh, everybody in here is is a workhorse. Yeah, they could have a fantastic match. And the revival with Gable and uh, Rude, they have been tearing up every house show that they're on. So adding Black and Ricochet to the mix, I mean, that's an excellent match if they have the time. Final segment saw Stephanie McMahon come out with the Raw Women's title. Charlotte comes out first, followed by Becky, who is on a crutch and wearing her mugshot t-shirt. And Becky then signs the Hold Harmless Agreement. And they cut to Ronda Rousey, who is storming her way into the arena. Rousey enters the ring. She tells Stephanie that she didn't vacate anything. She wanted Stephanie to include Becky not exclude her and demands that Stephanie give her title back. And Stephanie does. She hands the title over. So Stephanie says that the match between Becky and Charlotte is still happening on Sunday. But if Becky loses, she's done. But if she wins, it will be a three-way at WrestleMania. Ronda then announces. uh, What did you think about the the setup here? Well, first of all, it was pointed out to me that Becky's been using her crutch on the wrong side of her injury. So oh, I, I wanted to note that for anybody who has to pretend to use crutches in the future. I suppose you're supposed to use your crutch on the safe side. Oh, I've never, I've, ne- I've never had crutches in my life. Have you? I have not, thankfully. I've been lucky. Yeah. Rhonda then cuts a promo on Stephanie saying that she makes too much money for Stephanie to fire her. And she can go rogue whenever she wants. She has free reign to do anything because Stephanie values her bank account over their frail bodies. Referring to Charlotte and Becky. And then she just cuts the heel promo on the fans. She's screaming a million words a minute about how dare you boo me at the Staples Center. To which this crowd was like, dude, you debuted in this arena and we lost our minds for you. Last year at the Royal Rumble. How can these fans be blamed for L.A.? Hmm. This is Philadelphia. Heel logic, I guess. She's worked her ass off. I'm done entertaining you. I'm not your dancing monkey. Damn the man. Screw the woo. And no more Mrs. Nice Bitch. And she attacks Becky. Mm -hmm. What did you think about this promo? Um... I couldn't imagine watching this promo on two times the speed. Yeah, I, I don't think I was a big fan of it. Um, maybe some of the criticism against Ronda has kind of gotten to me over the past week. But she here, like, she really did seem like it was that kind of same, like, rambling. Uh, like, maybe saying words that shouldn't sound, um, I guess, so, I don't know, well thought out in the heat of the moment. Um Something about the delivery to me felt very amateurish. And, and I mean, she is an amateur again. Some weeks it seems believable. I'm trying to pinpoint exactly what the difference might be. But, like, some weeks it sounds good. But to me this week, it it just sounded, you know, very rehearsed. And, and I would say not, not that believable. I, I felt it was almost, like, I know she's doing all the Twitter stuff, but I still felt that this was like a very sharp turn for the character that didn't feel um, 
the time to do it. Like it just felt like too. I thought there was too much too radical on. of a change. Well, I thought between this and then like all the Stephanie stuff and and then like the constant, uh, you know, twisting around of the titles and also the main events, it was a lot to process by the end of the show. Um, like, can you imagine writing the des- the description for the show, John? I tried. I tried for our description. Yeah, I mean, let's let's kind of follow follow here, okay? So it, we started off with Ronda Rousey not having the belt, and then uh, a match for the Raw Women's title was made between two SmackDown superstars and Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Becky, of course, who was reinstated and uh, no longer uh, with no no charges pressed against her. So she signs that match, and then all of a sudden Ronda comes back. The belt is granted back to her. Um, the that match uh, between Becky and Charlotte is now so that. Uh, if Becky wins, she can get into the WrestleMania event. Oh, by the way, Ronda Rousey turns heels as well. Like that's that's a fucking paragraph. That's like a month's worth worth of development. So, uh, by the end of it, I thought it just became a bit messy. And it's kind of like the Royal Rumble win has kind of been put to the side. Like that that holds no currency yeah. in this. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, I I just think that it's. Do you feel that there's a positive in that the dynamic now, you pretty much have Charlotte, Rhonda, and Stephanie all in varying degrees of heel roles where Becky is the focused upon babyface. There is no blurring of Rhonda now being kind of a in-betweener. It's it's pretty black and white now the way they positioned the three against Becky. Or at least uh, even though they've, they've also got the conflict with Stephanie and Rhonda in there. Or is it kind of, is it still muddying the waters? I think it kind of remains to be seen, you know, it's like they are all he- heels, but it's not like Becky, oh, sorry, uh, Rhonda and Charlotte are really working together against Becky. I would say like in this whole thing, and also because you're talking about Becky Lynch, who's an anti-hero, uh, whose job it is to like poke fun of the other people, like her gimmick is to attack people, you know, uh, unprovoked. Now everybody has that gimmick. Rhonda's attacking people unprovoked, Charlotte's doing it, Rhonda's do or Becky's doing it. I think it's almost a little too much, and um, to me, it just feels like uh, things feel a lot messier now than maybe they needed to be. I, I still think this is a pretty like this. This does feel like a strong program for WrestleMania. Um, for sure, you know, messiness aside, I is think it hotter that, than it was. Before? Um, I I don't think tonight like extinguished anything. I I just feel like they they're really trying to hit hard on like the, this grudge uh, and, and trying to make it as believable as possible. And I think that it's, I, I, I don't think tonight was like, um like a major step back. I just think that if you, if you're trying to process, back, I, I do think that there are some storyline inconsistencies that don't quite compute like the suspension deal that it just seems Tonight didn't feel like, oh, okay, that's the next logical step in this story. It almost felt as though we need to get around this, and this is the most convenient way to do it in a backstage segment that kind of negated everything that happened last week. Why introduce the stipulation at all? Why introduce the story at all if you're not going to pay it off with, I think, something a bit more, I don't know, substantial? I didn't mind the suspension story, especially how they introduced it, that you've transferred the heat from Hunter and Stephanie onto Stephanie and Vince, and you kind of got Paul removed from this this angle because he cannot be a heel at the moment. So 
you have Stephanie and Vince conspiring against Becky. And to me, what it ultimately leads to is Becky attacking Vince McMahon and getting reinstated. Um, I think that's a big moment that Becky gets her, her revenge on Vince McMahon. Instead, it was just Stephanie, who we've already we've already established she's second in command to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon can overrule her and did so in that angle with the suspension. And then it's reversed tonight. So I feel holes like that need to be addressed. If you okay. if you just explained, as you did, about, well, Vince McMahon, I'm sure, conferred with her, then just include that line. Beyond that, what do you think is okay, – okay, why don't you finish the, the review here because there's like a big chunk as well. So she does the big promo, attacks Becky, and she applies an arm bar onto Becky and goes for the actual straight arm bar at the beginning. And she's staring down Charlotte. She's attacking Becky with body shots, throwing her around, more body shots, applies the arm bar again, and then stands on top of Becky, holding up the title. And they've got like three or four minutes left here. And Becky is just laying on the floor for a prolonged period. Ronda's just standing there with the title. Charlotte's standing on the ramp. And then we go to the back, and Charlotte uh, Stephanie is interviewed by Charlie. And Stephanie just cuts a promo that Ronda proves she is the animal she believes she was. She has no regard for the fans or WWE, has no love for Becky Lynch. And who the hell is Ronda Rousey to think that she can do that? She's become a loose cannon. And in this one promo, it almost felt like they were taking a lot of the edge on Becky and placing it onto Ronda. Is that how it came across for you? Yeah, yeah. I think Like, if you have Stephanie positioned like this, it almost babyfaces Ronda because anyone who is the adversary of Stephanie kind of becomes that. Well, again, this was all really a little bit confusing and I thought in the end a little too convoluted for me because I mean I kind of took it to to mean like Ro- Stephanie got Becky to sign this hold harmless agreement she lifted her suspension got her to sign this thing only so that she could get Rhonda to unleash her beast mode onto Becky Lynch so that if Becky in the event you know she's she's injured now more more time more than just her her knee it's her arm now that she's injured um she she won't hold the WWE uh you know liable for it. Uh so Stephanie also, has outsmarted everybody. That's to me how I read it. You know, she took Rhonda's belt away from her in order to unleash this side of Rhonda onto Becky. But in her, her interview backstage, she was talking about how Rhonda needs to be stopped. Now, is that Stephanie, you know, doing that in sort of like a tongue in cheek way, like, oh no, I didn't mean for this to happen. Oh man, this is terrible. Meanwhile, is she secretly happy about it all? I, in the end, I feel like because even like you and I, the fact that like we're even so confused about what's going on, I think they're trying to be too smart for their own good. And again, it just, to me, feels a little messy by the end of it all. Do you feel that Stephanie ultimately ends up as the the referee in this match? Because she is so attached oh, to this match. I would hate that. Oh. Like I'm totally fine if like you want to do Becky versus Stephanie at SummerSlam. I think that's that's great. We don't need more people in this feud. Like it's this fir- feud was the first per- women's main event at WrestleMania. Oh fuck, this thing was perfect from the beginning. I thought. I mean, okay, perfect. But when you just had Ronda and and you had Becky, that was totally fine. They've introduced Charlotte into it, and I'm I don't hate that at all. I've grown to accept it. I thought they've done a good job introducing her. 
to introduce another a third heel into the mix that's why unnecessary will ronda be a heel next week yeah honest question I think they'll they'll keep with it. I mean, the fans will are going to keep booing her, so I think they'll run with it. And so Stephanie ends her promo calling Ronda a loose cannon, and then we cut to Ronda, and our final words we hear is someone ringside instructing Ronda, Ronda, hold the title up. Ronda, hold the title up. And... <laughs> They really felt like they were padding this end. Like it was like three to four minutes of just pad to end this. Um, even with the Stephanie promo, like it just felt like this ended earlier. It it, it didn't feel like a um, con- uh, a solid conclusion at the end of the show. It just felt like a little like they were killing some time to end this show. Could be, uh, but that was raw. Um, certainly a lot on this show. Um, mm-hmm. Coming I really like the Shield reunion. I thought yes. that was done excellently. Um, the Ronda, Ronda, Becky, Charlotte stuff, I was not as big of a fan of. I'd agree with you. I thought that, um, I thought overall the Shield stuff, very good. Um, I wasn't as down on the Hunter promo as much, but I, I really did not like the one line in there. And um, I, I do feel, though, that that program uh, does have a lot of interest right now with Batista and Hunter. And we will see what they do next week. And Fastlane, uh, we will be previewing it later this week on the Cafe Hangout, uh, when hopefully we have an entire card, because it's still a show that uh, doesn't look completely full yet, uh, mm-hmm. several days to go. All right, let's head to the forum, forum.postwrestling.com. This will be an interesting poll to see what everyone thought of Raw. What did you rank uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, Way? I wanted to give it a 6.5. Um so I'll round up. I'll be nice. Seven. The forum voted a 5.08. They were not as kind pass. as me. Jesse from the six. Let's look at how Vince McMahon is building to his biggest show of the year. He had the good fortune for Becky Lynch to come out of nowhere to become the hottest character in wrestling while also having Ronda Rousey signed to his roster. So what does he do? He books a three-way, which is the wrong decision, but not wholly without merit. However, he books it in such a way to include arrests, suspensions, and title abdications such that it is completely convoluted. Now we have two SmackDown wrestlers competing for the Raw Women's title for no reason. I, uh, To be honest, the brand stuff, I could not possibly care about any of that stuff. That holds absolutely zero negativity to me of people going back and forth. Then well, Why have two titles then? Um, I, I don't even consider the SmackDown Women's title. Like it's To me, it's... It's a title that's just there. I would get rid of it myself. I think there is one one women's title, and it's the raw one. Okay. Then there's Dave Batista, a big star with a great online presence who is genuinely likable. So, of course, Big Dave's the heel to the preternatural heel Triple H, who is the face. Again, I think so much of that is like Batista's own request. You know, he clearly loves playing a heel. And he's good at it, too. Yeah. It's like you can argue about... and. Like, Hunter can be a babyface. He wasn't the best one tonight, but he can play that role. It's not his best role. Um, but uh, to be honest, like, Dave as a heel, I think is really good. Yeah. So I, I don't have a big issue with it. Kevin Owens, last seen as a raw heel, shows up on SmackDown as a babyface in the heel role of taking the actual babyface Kofi Kingston's title shot against the heel Daniel Bryan, who a year ago was the most sympathetic babyface in the company that they ever had. Great. 
Then he calls up. Oh my God, Jesse's got uh, an opus here. Um, then he calls up the four hottest stars in NXT to help his show, but in doing so, he disrupts a carefully told and subtle story by throwing the heel champion <laughs> and his tweeners nemesis together as a babyface tag team. He also made a team out of the guy who does flippy shit and the Satanist who is now a blue-collar worker for some reason. He also called it Vince's terrible show. Uh, but Vince only called them up because of the colossal fuck-up that was the last batch of call-ups, of whom one is now a mute Two others lost their last names because Vince has some sort of sick complex with names and Lacey Evans, for whom he is so bereft of ideas that she just walks around. And that's it. He's not a fan of the Dean Ambrose thing. And now Vince's pet project of Roman Reigns is finally a beloved babyface. I half expect Vince to finally turn him heel. In five months, Reigns will be cutting promos on the crowd saying that while he was in the hospital bed recovering from treatment, all he could think about was how bad the audience smells and how much the local sports team sucks. Take care. Apologies for the length of this post, but I had to get this off my chest. You're more than welcome to take all that time, Jesse from the Six. I think Jesse from the Six should do like a last week tonight type of like daily show style type of show. Oh, then he'll be a guest star. He'll be a correspondent on Raw for WrestleMania. Oh, yes. That's right. We go to Sean from Toronto who says, I was prepared to shrug off this episode and it's SNL backstage comedy. But I do have to say that I dug the closing angle and the apparent Ronda heel turn which I guess was inevitable at this point. However, I never want to hear the phrase screw the woo ever again. Yeah, I guess uh, boo the woo was uh, rejected. Alex from Maple. Decent show overall. Love the Triple H promo. Not looking forward to a match with two old guys, but the promo was very good. Bad match with Tamina and Banks. Shield stuff was well done, although it seems rushed. Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte, I'm mixed on. It seems cold, not a good crowd reaction to the triple threat, and Becky doesn't seem as hot. Having Ronda come out and basically say she's done being a fake wrestler and can really beat these girls in real life was odd. Ronda always sounds rambling and talks fast. Stephanie's interview at the end was awkward. She sounded a bit lost. Why couldn't they have done something simple like have Becky storm the contract signing for WrestleMania and sign her name on it like Michaels did for WrestleMania 20 instead of this nonsense, which seems to have cooled Becky off? Probably because... That wasn't that great either. No, I didn't like that Sean Angle at all. I remember it exactly when he brings that up. I I think that there's some like alarmist reactions to all of this. I, I don't think Becky has cooled off. I think that she's going to be pretty strong going into WrestleMania. And Ronda being like the legit shooter has kind of always been like the subtext to her character. I I don't mind kind of accentuating that at all. That, you know, we all play wink wink here that Ronda is the one who is the most dangerous here that I I think that that's a a fun element you can play with and add to the realism, which nine times out of 10 realism is an enhancement. There's sometimes it can be a negative, but in most cases, I think it's uh, if done well, it can be a, it can add to a match and a conflict. Well, that's the question. Is it done well? Well, we will see. Chris from Queensland, Australia. So let's talk the main event. On less than three hours' notice, not only is the WWE Raw Women's Championship vacated by Ronnie, but then Steph just hands it back to her when she shows up late to work by two and a half hours. We're told all night it's Charlotte versus Becky at Fastlane for the Raw Women's Championship, only to be changed to a screwy qualifier for Becky at Mania. Then, during Ronnie's beatdown, the referees don't enter the ring to stop her. Of all the options to make it a three-way, this was the laziest and most confusing. I thought Becky would run in either at Fastlane during a match or the Raw after during the contract signing between Ronnie and Charlotte, thus forcing Charlotte to demand they add Becky into the Mania match or she'll leave with the WWE Raw Women's Championship. I guess in all of the confusion, that was the WCW Nitro booking of the closing segment, the championship. 
by of the closing segment, the championship by association being vacated then handed back to the former champion seems less meaningful than before and less of an achievement should Becky or Charlotte win it. Sorry, I'm I'm confused even just like going through all this. Like you you probably worded it beautifully, Chris, but I just I'm I can't even follow it myself. Okay. I I rarely read ahead on feedback. This next one is going to feature maybe the greatest ending to a piece of feedback we have ever received in the entire history of Way and I reading feedback. Are you ready? Yeah. And don't read ahead, Way. I already did. Sorry. Damn. Jay from Colorado. After what seemed to be a promising turn for Raw last week, we again take two steps back. It's not that anything on paper was bad, but they just keep failing at the execution miserably. Not sure if you guys noticed the same, but the audience really seemed checked out during the Triple H promo. They just didn't seem to care. And what's going on with the women's title match? Holy hell, I can't keep up with any of this. I'm old enough to remember when they said, you are the authority a few months back, but they keep making these decisions despite what the audience seems to want. Fastlane is this Sunday. I have a colonoscopy on Friday. I'm looking forward to the colonoscopy way more. At least I get to be heavily drugged for that. Oh my god. Uh, I knew I wouldn't be able to get that one out. <laughs> I wish oh, you all man. the best, Jay. Andrew oh, from Andrew from Cape Breton. For the past few weeks, Jim Cornette on his podcast has reviewed some WWE programming. While there were great de- details on numerous issues, the one major issue that stuck out was the current product was not good for a new or laps fan trying to get into it. He doesn't watch modern wrestling, so he would go under the laps fan. So I decided to watch the show tonight with that in mind. Tonight took about 50 minutes to identify the announcers. The backstage interviewer wasn't identified until the very end of the program by her first name of Charlie. And numerous talents weren't identified, such as the Riot Squad members and all of the other tag teams in that backstage segment earlier. Who was the man spraying water on himself while looking in the mirror? Who was that tall man asking for pictures with the SNL guys? Why was that man dancing with people? He had a group of people chanting Jose, no way. What did Jose do and why are they chanting no way at him? Sarah Logan's name was mentioned, but wasn't personally identified. Okay. To the people on this message board and who follow wrestling, these might not be big issues, but imagine a fan tuning in tonight for the first time in a long time or ever. The highlight of the show, however, and one I would think I think would resonate with new fans was the closing angle. Rhonda has always been hateable, and they explain issues with Becky Lynch, but I don't know if they went into details as to why Charlotte is involved in all of this. I just thought it was interesting trying to look at the show in a different light. Five jobber entrances out of ten. I mean, I think um, you can... I, I, I can see some merit to, to some of those criticisms. That said, I, I don't feel you have to you don't have to give feed people, your show either. You don't have to give a, everybody name tags. I don't think you need to... Like, uh, you, when you're watching Riverdale, you know, are you immediately aware, like, what everybody's named or what they do? I... I, I I don't think that's as specific of a problem. And maybe, you know, maybe Jim Cornette probably has a point about other things, but um, I don't know if, like, naming names is specifically the issue. All right, let's continue on. We've got a few here. Omri in Mexico. I want to talk about the women's evolution. There were essentially three women's segments tonight, two matches, and the main event. I didn't time it, but I'm pretty sure the two matches didn't last more than six minutes put together. And Becky looked like a total geek, smiling and accepting a match while injured to maybe get a chance at WrestleMania instead of still being upset about the fact that her winning the Rumble means nothing. 
And also, Tori Wilson is going into the Hall of Fame, where the WWE couldn't show me even one reason she is worthy in that video package. They basically said that she was a model, and that's it. Unrelated, but Renee saying Dean is going to greener pastures might have been the single greatest piece of commentary in the past few years. Five EC3 statues in front of a mirror out of ten. MJ says, I love the Batista promo straight from the school of Jericho. I oddly enjoyed the awkward ending with Steph killing time to go off air. If there was a Raw next week and no pay-per-view in between that is a useful way to sell tuning in next week and wrapping up the episode. Not inspired by the Shield reunion one bit. Didn't do it for me. Feels like we are right back to the same Roman and his lackeys. It kills Rollins' big mo. Mm, I, I don't think so at all. I think it's something hot to keep him busy for the pay-per-view before WrestleMania. So uh, I think it's a good direction. Cash, such a stupid tiny detail, but I always enjoy that in the weird wrestling world with shortened names and some fairly shitty names, Dave still calls Trips Hunter. His own wife calls him Triple H. It's the only reason H uses Nate's real name didn't make me groan. 80% of promo of Hunter's promo was great. Could have done without the read mention. Enjoyed that the crowd popped huge for the Shield reunion. Roman and Seth clear cleanly resolving Roman's potential claim to the throne was refreshing. No unnecessary wrestling logic behind those quick few minutes had to leave the house before the tag title match. Hope it was better than the wrestling that preceded it. I'm also a huge SNL fan and will apologize on behalf of Che and Jose from tonight until mania. At some point, Che will make fun of himself and throw massive shade at the shitty type of wrestling fans, make more fun of Jost and it'll all be worth it. We can hope. Roger from Athens, Georgia. Raw really gave me a headache tonight, mainly due to the Raw Women's Championship storyline. First off, how come Stephanie is suddenly allowed to reinstate Becky after it was her father that overrode her and Triple H and suspended Lynch in the first place? Furthermore, now that Becky's suspension is suddenly lifted, why does that negate her Royal Rumble win? To further hurt my head, they announced this match between Shar and Bex for the title, but since Ronnie demanded her title back, Steph just says okay and gives it to her? What? The bright side, I guess, was Ronda's heel turn promo. Although she needs to slow things down just a bit when she speaks, but at least she's showing a lot of passion. I also found it kind of interesting that they featured Ronda during one of the Captain Marvel promos when she herself once campaigned to play the character. My last complaint is the constant zooming in and shaking of the camera during beatdowns. They really made me nauseous at the end of Raw, and I actually had to turn away. I know enough people have complained about this, including Edge on his podcast, who actually said it gives emotion sickness, so I don't understand why WWE continues to do it. Wow, that's saying something. The guy from the ladder matches is complaining about motion sickness from the raw production. It can't be good for like people with like head injuries. Damn. No. Jalen from Pickering. Fair to say they've bungled up this women's title program over the past week. If Stephanie is able to reinstate an injured Becky Lynch, then why not remove Charlotte since those were both her dad's call? But instead, we're getting the Rumble winner facing, fighting for her opportunity at Fastlane while a SmackDown star is guaranteed for the Mania match. It's so nonsensical, they should just throw Asuka in and unify those titles. Hopefully, the third reuniting of a faction made of guys that haven't even been on TV for seven years isn't at Rollins' expense like the previous one, but depending on where this goes, I wouldn't be surprised if Rollins' main events just for the closing shot of all three. I feel like Rollins is still the guy. I mean, obviously, he's facing Brock Lesnar, so, you know, I think they might eventually break off, obviously, to a program between Rollins and Roman. But for now, it seems like the project definitely still is Rollins as the lead. We go to... They could also separate those two after WrestleMania, too, if you kind of yeah. do the brand split. Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, Mark says, I watched the final 30 minutes of this show to see how they'd end the show this week after last week's enjoyable finish. This was so awkward and definitely seemed unintentionally rushed. Rhonda was saying a lot, good and bad, but she talked so fast that before I could process everything she just said, she turned on the crowd and did the heel turn. It's all about delivery and this was shit. This was like the old timers telling the high flyers to slow down and let the crowd react. That's what I, this I agree. I agree with that. That promo needed to be paced better because the audience, I don't think, re- even realized what was happening. And you could see by the end, like it felt like they ended early and maybe they were expect- expecting that promo to be longer. But I, I completely agree that that should have been, um, you know, aired out a bit more to, to let everyone sink, let, let it sink in what she's saying. I feel like after she cut the promo on Stephanie and Charlotte, she could have let the crowd cheer a bit, shake her head in approval, and then give that nasty face and just say, yeah, you cheer me now, but where was this at the Staples Center? You people don't know what you want, and I want nothing to do with any of you. Go partial Daniel Bryan or on them or something. This feud went from flowing naturally to just feeling like an overproduced WWE main event. Meaningless suspensions have come and gone already with really no comeuppance. Ronda supposedly vacated the title now, so the winner at Fastlane will receive the title. Then it changes and Ronda shows up. Okay. Everybody just wants to recap how ridiculous this like story is. And you're all doing a great job. Um, but I think like everybody has to write it down in order to like know exactly what's going on. All right. The next one here. We're going to go to Chris. I thought that Renee had the line of the night with, why are there cameras in the locker room? That's just creepy. I really think next year, just announced that from the Rumble until the draft, while they're needing to set everything up at Mania, just don't have brands. People have the ability to show up wherever they need them. Doesn't mean they have to. Just give them the option without it looking as dumb as Charlotte and Becky on Raw have been. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. Uh, We are going to make an announcement. Correct. Yes, we have a, a poll that we had put up on the forum to announce what we are going to be reviewing on the next Rewind Away, which is going to be dropping on Friday, March the 15th, for all of our Post Wrestling Cafe members. And the options were which? So the reason why we're even going to a patron's vote here is because our executive producer, Chad Olson, just couldn't think of what show to do. In fact, Chad actually wanted us to have the week off. He was so generous. and uh, But instead, we were like, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to uh, allow the patrons to make a choice. So uh, our choices out here were four WrestleManias that we have not done before in any of our history. So your choices were WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 11, uh, WrestleMania 6, and WrestleMania 26. So a lot of votes, 94 votes here. We'll start from the bottom. 13% of you wanted Hogan versus Bundy, WrestleMania 2. Not much love for that one at all. 24% of you wanted LT versus Bam Bam Bigelow at WrestleMania 11. That was my personal choice. 28% of you wanted Hogan versus Warrior from WrestleMania 6. So that means 35% of you want us to review WrestleMania 26, which of course is headlined by Sean versus Taker number 2, Streak versus Career. So that is the show we are going to do, John. Streak versus career, WrestleMania 26 from Phoenix. Yeah. So that also you. featured Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon, uh, the 2010 WrestleMania. So, yes, that will be our next review. 
Well, thank you everybody for voting. And yeah, uh, as John mentioned, it'll be out on the 15th. I will travel back from Hawaii just to do this show. All right. Um, before we end, some really unfortunate news to end the show with. Uh, some news that just came out while we were recording the show, and that is the passing of King Kong Bundy. Who? Uh, oh my God, who I just mentioned. Damn. Yeah, he... Uh, uh, this just came out as we were recording. So he was 61 years of age. Uh, of course, people will remember from headlining WrestleMania 2 against Hulk Hogan. That was his most prominent uh, program that he had with Hogan in, in 1986. And then he came back in the mid-90s with, with the company. He was aligned with uh, the Million Dollar Man as as part of the the Million Dollar Corporation and had that run. Had been, you know, a heel based out of the Northeast and someone that was just um, a very well-known character. Like you just knew that name, King Kong Bundy. And uh, did an appearance once on, on Married with Children, as I recall, as well. And, you know, after his WWE days, WWF days, uh, stayed active in the independent scene for some time. And, yeah, very unfortunate. Um, don't have the uh, what uh, the cause of death was, but we will uh, probably have much more up on the site on Tuesday. But uh, certainly uh, rest in peace to... Uh, King Kong Bundy, who has uh, passed away. So, man, what an unfortunate day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also uh, Keith from The Prodigy. Yes, yeah, and uh, Ted Lindsay, hockey mm-hmm. player. So, yes, a very rough uh, Monday. Okay, well, that's going to bring an end to the show. Uh, thank you to everyone that downloaded the show, listened to the show, made it to the end of the show. We appreciate all of your support and checking out the show. We'll be back on Tuesday night. We've got the double shot and rewind to SmackDown coming your way.